Uh. So my people's one time. What up, what up, what up? Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening live. This is the Mod Squad Across the Intersection podcast. This is AJ. I'm in here with Eve and A. What's going on, y'all? Hello. Yeah, yeah. So, as you guys can see, and well, you can't really see. We can see, but you can't see. But you can hear. Um, we are. What I can see? We're working at Master. You're blind, baby. Yeah. yeah. I knew that was coming. You're blind, baby. You're blind, blind to the facts. <laughs> Um, but if you can hear us, that means that we're getting better at this uh, Google Hangout thing. Um, and so we're, we're, we're doing this uh, tri-state thing here where we're all in different areas doing this on the interwebs. Um, but we're still getting it in, giving the good people what you want, which is across the intersection. Um, as always, you can ingest this wonderful podcast on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. Um, Google Play and Google Podcasts. We are on Stitcher, uh, TuneIn Radio. We are on SoundCloud. Uh, for those of you who are listening on the Apple platforms, iTunes or Apple Podcasts, if you're listening to the sultry sounds of my voice right now, what I'm, what I'm gonna need for you to do is to go into your machine that you are absorbing this podcast from i need you to go and um, if you could give us a five star rating and a good and a good 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 review i really and appreciate it we're also on terrestrial radio down in southern biloxi <laughs> east mississippi right of alaska state university wow that's a satellite campus on Station 62.1. Ooh. You trying to sound like the quiet storm. I, I hear from, 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 from times 4.32 a.m. to 4.37. <laughs> so if you, are, if you are in East Biloxi or at Alaska State. Well, it's a satellite take. campus in East Biloxi. But you can um, ingest us. So please give us a good rating on all the other platforms. Please subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Um, that would be great. Um, as always, you can go to the website, divemedia.co. That's divemedia.co to check us out. Um, we're on Facebook, Twitter. Hit us up on all social media platforms. Um, at Across This on Twitter and Across the Intersection on Facebook. Please get at us. And I am at Divinimus on all platforms. D-I-V-E-N-O-M-O-U-S. That is super long. I might have to change that joint. But right now, that is what it is. D-I-V-E-N-O-M-O-U-S on all platforms. And I am at E to the V to the on Twitter. And A, and a is at blank dot hashtag dot underscore. <laughs> Dot ampersand. Really know. All right, so it's been a couple weeks, folks and good peoples, Homo sapiens out there listening to us. Um, We do thank y'all for riding with us again. I definitely want to give a shout out to all the listeners. We did give you a big thank you on the Insta Greasy. Um, So we had our first show again. This is big to me. We got a show that's approaching three hundred listeners. Hey, that's a that's a big deal to me. Yeah. So we shout uh, out to the Russian trolls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So we um, definitely want to say thank you to everybody who's listening and everybody who's telling people. Like, if you're telling somebody, tell somebody to tell somebody about the podcast. Um, and if you got show topics, hit us up. People who might know us individually. Um, but if you if you have any show topics um, that you think you would love to hear the the three of us banter about, please hit us up. Hit us up on social media. Um, and shoot some show ideas. But again, shout out to all the people who are listening. Again, we really appreciate it. Um, I didn't really realize that 300 people listening to the stuff we talk about would be a big deal. But when I saw the show kind of climbing, I was like, well, hold on. Hold on. So that's a big deal. Thank you, everybody who's listening. We really, really appreciate it. Um, and it shows that what we're doing is actually um, worthwhile. So yeah, me- actually, you know, this is not be self-important for for this particular crew of people but actually i have a lot of podcasts on my google podcast that i'm subscribed to and i just don't see uh other i don't see another example of folks attempting to address these topics not just from a christian standpoint because there are christian uh podcasts but from the standpoint of people who who really don't have a dog in the fight of denomination or um, ideas of, of what doctrine is correct and what isn't. We all come from different backgrounds and have different perspectives, but it really comes from the standpoint of people of faith who are actually looking to current and contemporary issues and trying to look at it through the lens of, of, of biblical scripture, what God is, what God would have to say about some of these things. And also being analytical, just not going around and, and, and just repeating what other people have said um, already, but really trying to look at these issues from a variety of perspectives instead of just towing the line or just, you know, regurgitating what Fox News or even MSNBC has to say. And as I said, you know, it's it's really encouraging. Um you know, it, 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 it gives you a, a reason to want to continue to research and continue to just fellowship and, you know, do the things that would empower you to even speak on some of these issues. So it's it's really dope. And, you know, speaking of that point that you just brought up, Eva, um, I was actually had the opportunity to go to the taping of another podcast, a live taping that was yeah. in D.C. Um, this past week. It was really dope. Um, it was past the mic. Um, for those of you who listen to that podcast, um, those brothers do a really good job. Um, it's powered by the witness. Um, they they do a really good job. But you're the the point that that I'm bringing up to you, um, or that's related to what you just brought up, which was so dope to me because you're right. There are a lot of people speaking on these same issues, but very few, I think, come from the unique background that that we do or approach it from the unique perspective that that we do because although those you know um there are a lot of podcasts that might talk about you know the crossing of the intersection of you know race and and the culture and politics and finances and all these things that 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 we talk about um everybody caters to a particular constituency Right. They 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 have to cater to, you know, for lack of a better term, their base. And so I was hit with the question and we this wasn't a subject, everybody. So we not really this this wasn't planned, but we just kind of going here because I was excited for 300 listeners. But so when when I got to the spot 
and I'm not putting anybody on blast. So if anybody's listening, I got much love for those brothers. I think what they do is amazing. But one of the things that 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 I've found, and if you listen to our show now going on a couple of years, um, we gave our testimonies, you know, a, a while back about you know our our spiritual journey and our journey with the Lord. And, you know, so for those of you who've listened, you know that I no longer go to organized church. I no longer go to an organized institutional model church. Haven't for a while. Um, It was not based on any church hurt. Um, I was an ordained elder in a church running a church with a senior pastor. And we made the conscious decision by the prompting of the Holy Spirit to close down our church. Now, I say all that to say I find that very easy to articulate or, or have found, I should say. In the past, I have found that very easy to articulate that when I'm around unbelievers. When when I'm in the midst of unbelievers, that's actually a very easy conversation to have. You're talking to unbelievers and you start, you know, you start sounding Christian, right? You start talking to scriptures, you start talking about God, well, you know, whatever it is. Cuz I don't consider myself a big Bible thumper. But if you ask me about my convictions or my morals, you know, the the characteristics of my heavenly father are going to come out. And so when I'm in the midst of unbelievers, I, the, the, the conversation regarding me no longer attending an organized institutional um, style church comes out and it's a very, I don't know, seamless conversation. But I found that it's not the case when I'm around religious people. When I'm around the typical church-going type people and you get into those conversations, you're, you're met with a lot of consternation and a, a lot of pushback. But this past week, I was actually pleasantly surprised to, to be in the, the, the company of you know religious people, not in a bad sense, just generically speaking. And the topic, of course, comes up, hey, man, so where do you go to church? Because they, you know, they, they listening to you. Where do you go to church? And so I was like, my, and I was with my wife. Yeah, that, 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 that's usually a, um, <clears throat> that's like when people say, well, what do you do? Like what do you do for a living? Exactly. Yeah. 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 So I was with my wife and I'm, I'm getting long winded. So to, to make a long story short, came out, was like, nah, I don't go to church. What? And I was able to share my testimony, but it was amazing to see how it rocked some of the people. Like they were like, yo, oh my goodness. Because to tell them that you no longer go to a church and it's not based on any kind of church hurt, you just literally followed the prompting of the Lord and moved away from that model. It's just like for me, this past week was the, you know, one of the few times that I've seen, you know, religious individuals kind of rocked by that reality. And so I was able to connect with, actually connect with a couple of brothers, exchange phone numbers. They're like, yo, I want to hear more about what you do. Um, so anyway, that was a really long story um, going back to 300 listeners. But you guys are, are really making an impact. You guys are blessing us um, the way that I hope that we are blessing you. So there, that's that's my long story on, on that. All right, cool. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I don't want to I don't want to derail the conversation by going tangentially into other topics. So. Yeah, no. Nah, so we're gonna get back into our regularly scheduled program. So I just but wanted I to give that to shout out. But I have to make a statement because I know that you know we are the tangentials. But I think that this is something that's pretty important because what happens, what I've noticed, is that for those of us who actually consider this a journey and uh, are allowing ourselves to discover new things, to examine various doctrines, to read things, 
to kind of go beyond what we're being taught on Sunday morning, but to explore and to have a faith journey as opposed to um, just following what, you know, regurgitating what somebody says. Um, I think that sometimes when we make these departures and we go on that journey, we forget that there are other people who are exactly where we left that whole time. So in other words, while we're uh, considering Sabbath, for example, or, or considering what Frank Viola said about uh, pagan Christianity or whatever the situation is, there's some, there are a lot of people who have never made those departures and never treaded that ground. And so sometimes we find ourselves surprised when we have conversations with the people years later and, um, and they are surprised by the different moves that we've made. And we almost forget that all that time there were people who basically stayed in the same spot. This is not a criticism of that, but I think that's the reason that it's, you know, sometimes a little startling because when we go on our own journey, we're not really thinking about what we've left behind and the fact that during that time, some people really just continue in the same cycle that they'd always been in. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, so what, what I would say is that, um, you know, I'm not a Christian. You know, I like to always say that uh, just for the listeners. Um, <clears throat> I believe that the Bible, tr- I, I believe that the Bible is true. Um, I also believe that Christianity is false. And I believe that Christ is true. Um, but I, I, I also believe that the term Christian is a company line. It's a line that gets used uh, in order to do um a lot of uh, un-Christ-like things that have gone on throughout history. And um, what I find that is that the term Christian, well, it's only used once in the Bible. Um, and as I understand it as a pejorative in the book of Acts, a pejorative meaning a, uh, it carries a negative, it carried a negative con- connotation um, about the disciples. Um, the 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 term can be a big stumbling block for a lot of people, um, and rightly so. When you understand, when you when you when you actually research the history of what this term Christian, um, what that means, and I mean that as opposed to understanding who our Messiah is, or Yeshua, or Yeshua, or Yahushua, uh, and the actual names, um, the more uh, primitive uh, or earlier uh, languages. Um, but I say that just to say that um, the, when, even when we say the term God, we have to be very clear. The term God, to say that in, in our society is a very easy term because God means different things to different people. And what we have to be very clear about is, well, what or who's God or who are we talking about? And I want to be clear that I, I worship the God of the Bible and the God of the Bible has a name. And the God of the Bible has many names, but uh, one name I can refer to is Yahuwah or Yahweh or the Most High um, or Elohim um, or Jehovah. Jehovah, there are many names, um, but I just want to be very clear with that. And I say all of these things to say or to fight, to tear down the compartmentalization that many quote unquote believers uh, or sons of the Most High Yah. Uh, or Hebrews, uh, either physical or spiritual, 
being grafted into the seed of Abraham, Abraham, all these things are in the Bible. I'm trying to help to peel away uh, from the rhetoric and the, 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 the hard shell that tends to um, develop um, to, uh, around people who tend to go to church on a regular basis when it becomes rote or when it becomes routine. And um, the, 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 even the concept of going to church is something that is not necessarily biblical. That's something that, again, has been taken from the Bible and um, uh, 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 wrapped up around a, a, uh, a practice that has nothing to do with uh, the people uh, in the Bible and essentially, quote unquote, Christianized. And we kind of take it whole cloth. And that's just what we do. And I, I, I want to be really clear because what happens is, is that we tend to then pit ourselves either for or against or in line with religion or religions. Well, this person's a Christian, this person's a Muslim, this person's this, this person's that. And you know what? When you do that, you're right. You are absolutely correct. Um, you are you are operating you are operating within a religion, but when it comes to what the God of the Bible wants for his chosen people, that's not, that's not really what he's looking for. Um, he deals with each and every person individually. And if you don't know what we're talking about, well, um, I, would, I would encourage you to pray about it. Um, and hopefully the Lord is dealing with you and he can guide your footsteps to be able to reveal himself and make himself known to you. So he, you can know him outside of the already been true words that come from a particular uh, pastor, um, or a power figure who uses, who uses the Bible um, to then dictate to you how to live. So uh, I'm not saying that, 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 that there's no place for someone like that in your life. I am saying that, I am saying that, that um, you need to know, you need to know who the most high is, who the Lord is for yourself outside of the routine of a, of a Sunday service. And so, um, uh, that, that, that's what I, that's what I want to say. So I think, I think, I think it was, I, I think AJ, when you, um, you know, when you, when you are a living epistle and living testimony like that, people, people think it, but they don't know how to act on it. And when they see someone who is not necessarily connected to the, 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 the Sunday routine that they're so used to, but they're not necessarily in a, in a fallen state it's kind of like, it's kind of like Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that's what I think that's what makes us so unique. Cause I don't have a constituency to, you know, to, to cater to. I don't, I don't, I don't have, I don't have a, you know, we, we don't have a constituency. I mean, I think, you know, and listen for everyone who's listening and, you know, we, we've made it. Listen, if you've listened to us for going on a year and a half now, you, you even get the joke about, us being the tangentials i mean so we're even creating our own language here um but i think that that this is good because even amongst the three of us you can you're able you're able to see the differences but you see the unity not the uniformity you know i i actually um i'm working on an, another article about the the difference between unity as opposed to uniformity and how the the Lord calls us to unity, not uniformity, and how there can be differences in unity. You know, in uniformity, difference is not allowed. You know, if there's uniformity, difference is not allowed. But in unity, difference is allowed um, because as long as it's not an issue of sin, right, which is an affront to the Most High, 
God allows different. And so where you might have A saying he's not, he doesn't consider himself a Christian. I don't really care, right? I know in certain circles, people are going to call me a Christian, so I'm cool with that. But that's not uniform. I mean, that's not unity. That's uniformity. If I were to say, oh, Eva, what you're doing on Saturdays, I don't do that. That's fine. Who like you see? So for all of you guys listening, you know, understand that what the most high calls us to is to walk in the spirit of unity. And so what I was able, you know, one of the things I've, I'm, I'm finding now is not just the, you know, once you break from that notion of having to be uniform, you're able to move through these circles. Right. So I can go to I can go into reform circles. I can go into Baptist circles. I am able to see the truth in all of them. Right. And I'm not don't don't take this as heresy. Y'all are like, oh, these people are heretics. No, it's not what I'm saying. What or universalism. I'm, right. I'm not saying anything universalism or I'm not saying globalism, nothing crazy. But what I'm saying is, is that I can hear the voice of my heavenly father in anything. Right. I'm, I'm able to discern his voice. The, the Lord said that my sheep know my voice. They know me. They know my voice. I am known by my sheep it's in the gospel of John. Right. And so we're, we're way off on a tangent here. But I, I really want to encourage everybody, you know, some of you because we listen, guys, we actually have articles we were going to discuss tonight. We were not going to talk about this. And I don't know if the Lord has taken us in this direction. Um, but, you know, so so be it is that really it is the that's the whole title of the show across the intersection. You're going to come across different intersections. And if you have been brainwashed, for lack of a better term, if you've been brainwashed to believe that followers of the most high are all to be uniform, then you're going to find a lot of friction. You're going to find a lot of frustration because you're, you believe that everyone is supposed to be the exact same. When in actuality, there a difference is allowed in unity. Now, I'm not saying that any all of those people that I just listed, all them different groups, don't have issues and things wrong. Of course, I can find the truth, but I guess what? I can also speak against the false because I'm not trying to be uniform. Again, I'm not trying to be uniform. So I can be with my brothers, right? Like when Paul called out Peter for his hypocrisy, I can be in the midst of my brothers and still call out the hypocrisy and say, hey, hey, wait a minute. What what are you doing here? What's what's going on here? Right. Because I'm not trying to be uniform with you. I can walk in the spirit of unity. And part of that might mean having to, you know, fade, you know, cut that clipper back a little bit and give you a little bit of a fade because you kind of going off tangent. So anyway, we, we want to just kind of, you know, come around third base on that point and just kind of really encourage you all. Listen, be free be open be open to be able to move into these different circles and um you know thank you guys for rocking with us listen on our journey as we're kind of matriculating through some things so
right, so you guys just got a little bit. We, we just peeled back the curtain a little bit there. Um, let you kind of see what's still going on in, in, in our hearts as we kind of go through our journey. But in, in the spirit of not trying to be uniform, but be unified, um, we wanted to chat, you know, tonight. And it, it's been a couple weeks. It's the end of October. We're, we're, we're coming up on Halloween. Mm. You know, some of the Halloween's saints. Evening. Yeah, right. You know, some of the saints like Lord Jesus. They talking that <laughs> Halloween talk. <laughs> I knew they was heathens. Um, but no. So this is the end of October. But this article that I'm referencing came out about a month ago. It was like the end of September. Um, and it was written by Tim Keller. He's a you know author of Christian fame. He's written a ton of books. If you you know go to Amazon. If you go to your Kindle and your you know your bookstores, you'll you'll see a, a bunch of Tim Keller yeah, books. Yeah, he has a book called uh, "Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering." That's like a the book that I know that he wrote. Yeah, he's 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 actually wrote a couple, and I don't know if he's still the pastor, but I know no, he no. used to be the pastor yeah. of um, Redeemer in New York, Redeemer Presbyterian Church. Yeah, he's actually um, passed that on to uh, other men who okay. are now leading various locations throughout Manhattan. So, okay. so wow. he's no longer pastor. He's seventy something years old, so he's retired. But he decided to still lend his wisdom via um, books. But he was a fantastic preacher. He's one of those people that just came off the dome. Like he just knew, you know, nice. scripture nice. so well and knew how to tie it into contemporary issues. Um. So Tim Tim Keller wrote this article in, in the New York Times, um, end of September. And it was very interesting. Um, the title of the article, if you want to look it up, it, it's an op, um, a, an opinion piece. Um, it's how do Christians fit into the two-party system? Um, they don't. This is, um, he says, the historical Christian positions on social issues don't match up with contemporary political alignments. Um, wow, right? Um, it's very interesting to hear a believer say something like that, you know, typically, you know, in the, in, in the age of Trump, um, most of them are playing the company, company music. Um, I did actually see, um, a, uh, recent video of a uh, Jeff Sessions speech, by the way, and that pre and that pastor stood up, started quoting Matthew and they escorted that joker right up out of there. I thought that was, thought that was wild. <laughs> but anyway, um, so, he asked a, a very interesting question in the in the onset of the article. It was, you know, what should the role of Christians be in politics? Now you kind of get it, you know how how are believers supposed to maneuver in that political arena? Um, and one of the things that that I have found, um, because you know, for for my most of my adult life, I've considered myself neither Republican nor Democrat. I voted for both. Um, that might just make me some enemies on either side. You know, if you're listening, that might have just made you my enemy. But I've I have voted for Republicans and I have voted for Democrats, both on the state level and the um, national level. Um, I don't buy in. You know, I think he, there's a term that that he used in the article um, called package deal ethics. And it was the ethics of if you agree with us on one thing, you have to agree with us on every single yeah. thing in, in, in the yeah. package. Yeah, that's that's also another word for that. It's called hegemony. And so, but that's what the modern day um, political parties do, you know, because if you were to go around and, and just poll the 
average church-going believer and just say, hey, what are your thoughts on this one this one particular political issue? And they say, yeah, I, I happen to agree with that. Oh, well, then you immediately now are identified as this, right? You're a conservative. But if you look through the litany of things that conservatives would quote-unquote believe or what they would call their ideology, there may be many things on those lists that you would not agree. So I, I agree with the premise of his article. So what were you guys' thoughts on this article? Because I agree with it. I can see the 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 truth in both liberal ideology as well as conservative ideology. You can look at the both of them and, and, and you can go through and say, oh, okay, I agree with that. I disagree with that. And you can, you know, kind of pick and choose, kind of eat the meat, spit the bones out, I should say. I, I, I'll jump in before Eva um, pirouettes in. Uh, I, <laughs> is this, there's a, um, there's a false, uh, false choice here. And the false choice is that there's, you know, the, the term both, as in two, um, as in, as if they are the polar opposites or antipodes, which they are not necessarily not in our society because in our society, conservatism is liberalism. It's just conservative liberalism. Whereas what is called liberal liberalism is leftist or or ultra progressive liberalism. But this country is actually founded under uh, liberal notions, which is why we don't have a king or monarch. That's why it's not called the United Kingdom and it's called the United States. So just by the fact that there is no, um, there is no uh, king, uh, there is no, uh, there, there is no, um, no, no bishop or church uh, or no nobility or, or clear cut caste system. Um, I'm not saying it isn't a caste system, because it certainly is. But because that 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 is not that does not exist, um, and you're not killed. Um, by going against the dictates uh, of our of a, of a particular dictator makes the fact makes our country liberal. So I just want to I just want to get that I just want to get that out the way. Uh, but with that said, but with that said, uh, I I would say that um, you know this concept of Democrat versus Republican is like and I and I and I didn't make this statement up, but I really liked it, so I'm gonna repeat it and. Um, and that is uh, Democrats need racism like Republicans need abortion. And Ooh, I really good, like that statement. I like that. I like because, that. Yeah, I like that statement because um, uh, you can't, you cannot legislate. You can, and and I, I, I just really want this to echo. You can't legislate morality or indifference. You cannot legislate morality or indifference because both of those things have to do with the person's heart. You can't legislate yourself out of quote unquote racism and you cannot legislate yourself out of quote unquote abortion. You cannot do it. You can't do it. It would be impossible. And so um, I just use those as, as one example, but there, there, there are two push button topics that are used uh, in order to hegemonize uh, or, uh, or like you said, um, usher in package deals, get people to, to support certain uh, ideals or certain uh, 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 groups of legislation or bundles of legislation that they would not have if they combed through all of the different things in the package. So uh, I myself, because I can't tell other people what to do, um, but I myself, uh, I 
through what the Lord reveals to me. Um, I don't trust the system. Um, I operate within this particular system, but I don't trust the system. Um, this term vote, um, there is a root word to devote. And um, oh. when we devote, what we're doing is we're putting our trust, um, we're putting our hopes, we're giving permission to someone else to do something on our behalf. And um, where I am, uh, in my, uh, where I am, and 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 not not necessarily just my life, but what the Lord ha- is is constantly revealing to me, is that I cannot trust this system, no matter what party is in front of me, no matter what they're saying, because the things in which that the Lord is revealing to me, as far as the promotion of debt slavery, um, in addition to, as I had brought up earlier in our channel, um, the doctrine of discovery shows me that this is all grand theater, not to mention um, uh, some prophecies to be to be revealed. This is all grand theater. And um, I, so so in that in that respect, I am not I am not led to uh, support much of any of this. Quite honestly, um, this is this is just not this, I don't believe that this is the time this is the uh, dispensation, so to speak, um, where um, where my invo- where my involvement is necessary. So, um, so that's where so that's so that's so that's my that's my view on. It. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I, just like you two, I really agree with not just Tim Keller's remarks, which indicate that, of course. The faith predates all of these political parties and um, supersedes them in importance and all of that. But I'm just impressed by the fact that he wrote the article because he's somebody who's considered a leader uh, among people of faith, people who believe in the Bible as God's scripture, God's word, in this country at least. I don't know about his international presence. But we have so many people um, who who the world and the country have, have put in leadership uh, for the Christian community. Um, Some of those people are not so good. Some of them are charlatans. You know, some of them are basically people who, you know, are caricatures. But Tim Keller, you know, is a voice of reason in the midst of all of these different perspectives, in the midst of the people who are really not doing any good for them, for anything except lining their pockets, but also people who are just normal pastors or even megachurch pastors who keep on taking sides as if God you know, prefers donkeys over elephants or vice versa, you know? And so I like that he actually has stepped out and said that I'm going to actually take a stand on this and I'm going to be a leader among my community of people who are people of faith so that they at least have some other option rather than one end of the dial or the other or one tele- one channel or the other. Uh, so, you know, that's basically all I have to say about this. He didn't say to me, he didn't say anything controversial in this article. Um, he just, you know, basically showed that when it comes to scripture, it supersedes all of, of these classifications. And, and, and in addition to that, it should drive our decision towards something bigger than choosing one extreme or the next. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I actually got from, from the article, um, well, I got many things, but one of the things I wanted to mention here that I got from the article was, I do believe that believers can get involved in politics because he did make mention of Joseph and I believe he said Daniel 
Um, he mentioned those two men from the Old Testament. But what I got from reading the article and then kind of going back and just, you know, really meditating on Joseph and Daniel was for a believer to get involved in politics. I think one of the prerequisites is spiritual maturity. I think that is um, definitely one of the prerequisites, because if you are spiritually mature, you won't be swayed. You won't be tossed with every wind. You know, one of the things we we like to believe, and I think it's a misconception of believers, is that doctrine is a, is as a specifically religious thing. There are many doctrines. And so when the scripture talks about being tossed to and fro by any wind of doctrine, if I'm if I'm not spiritually mature, I can get tossed to and fro by conservative doctrine or by liberal doctrine or by American doctrine or by any other political doctrine that's out there. And so that word doctrine is not a specifically religious term. Though it's mentioned in scripture, it's not specific to religion. And so when he mentioned Joseph and he mentioned Daniel, I thought, well, those were two mature men who you know, exhibited a level of spiritual maturity. I mean, think about it. To be in the midst of Pharaoh, you had to have some weight in the spirit. You you couldn't be, for lack of a better term, you couldn't be a child. You you could not be a baby and be in the midst of that level of power, um, probably in the midst of that level of unrighteousness. Same thing goes for Daniel. Being in the midst of Nebuchadnezzar's court, you, you can't be in the midst of that level of power and unrighteousness and not be swayed if you do not have a certain level of spiritual maturity. And so I think that, you know, to our previous discussion, we were talking about just, you know, getting out of the mentality of going to a church and kind of being being that becoming our norm, that everyday norm, though it's not a reality for us, is that you that's what is happening. You have those people in droves then entering in the into the political world and they end up being swayed by a certain doctrine. And all of a sudden it's I'm a Christian or I'm a believer, but I'm also this. And I fight harder for whatever the this is than I do for my own faith or for the kingdom of God. Um, so I think that that is a critical component that I took from his article um, was, yeah, you can be a believer and get in politics. Now, he didn't specifically mention it this way, but I this is the way that I'm I'm kind of interpreting it is, you know, you can be a believer and be in politics, but you have to have a certain level of discernment and maturity or you will be swept up into this particular wave. And that goes for whether you are a conservative or a liberal. I think that those doctrines, those waves are too strong for the shallow, for the spiritually shallow to be able to stand and continue to uphold the convictions of the kingdom of God. I think it's impossible. So. I think another um, distinction, though, that can be made is working in government versus working in politics. That's so good. when you look at Daniel and you look at Joseph, these men were in government. You know, they were a part of leading or they had a role in leading and governing uh, their respective countries or kingdoms or communities. Um, and I think there's a difference uh, between that serving. So there's, a, there's a structure or a superstructure. You're serving your role and using your gifts and talents in a particular area versus politics. I don't know, especially considering the state of politics in this country right now, 
I don't know how, I don't know how redeemable it is, you know, because oh. um, so, well, I mean, just what's been yeah. going on um, recently, it's not just recent, actually, when I looked at it, primary sources oh, yeah. from last century and so forth, in fact, all the way to the beginning, right. um, even if you go back to like the Democratic Republicans in the 1800s and the, you know, the Whigs and all these parties, a lot of people think that all of the banter that we, ex- that we see now is new. No, those things were going on, you know, uh, hundreds of years ago, really when this country first started. And so I don't know how redeemable politics is, at least the way it's expressed here. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sorry for talking over you, Eva. Um, I, I agree with you. I agree with Eva. Uh, I, I like the distinction that you made um, because I do think that there was a bit of uh, governor, uh, somebody selected by the most high versus somebody who ran for a particular office of politics in our day and age within this country and how it works. It is very much a celebrity game. I would say quite possibly maybe on a local level, uh, AJ, quite possibly on a local level. Uh, but once once you get past that, it's really much a show. Um, it's really a form of Hollywood and celebrity. Um, the, the way in which the way in which, um, uh, I mean, politics is supposed to lead into a form of governance where people vote to be on tribunals. They get voted in to be on tribunals and tribunals just means like board of judges, uh, uh, be that legislature, um, people writing policy or approving policy or, um, or then uh, on the, in, in executive branches such as governors, or city councilmen or whatever those end up being, uh, I, I, I would say that maybe on a more homegrown level where you're not dealing with such mass mind control, it's, it, yes, you know, like if you're The Rock in, the mo- in that movie Walking Tall, where it's like <laughs> 10 people in your town or something, <laughs> or you're Wyatt Earp or whatever, then maybe, but it, it, you know, like Tombstone, but when you're talking about, uh, when, you, when you're talking about bumper sticker politics as we see it, I, I, I mean, that's, it, I'm not saying that it's not possible, but um, the way it, it is made, it is, I mean, you really, you're, you're, you really do undergo a form of lobotomization, um, even before you're even, and what I mean by that is that like, your thoughts are not your own, uh, or your acts are not your own, but you're doing it on behalf of the people that elect you uh, to your position, whatever that is. And so, at that point, at that point in time, really, supposedly, you're nothing more than a body or a viceroy. Uh, but um, that is that 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 is really what it's supposed to be, man. But oh, I mean, ultimately, it's a. Ultimately, I think that the, the, the conversation of politics and that actually uh, making any real kind of uh, impact is a uh, is an act in futility and and um, and grand theater theatrics. Uh, I think that there is uh, uh, there is a uh, um, a secret uh, society and collection of secret societies that actually really govern. Um, govern our govern our country and govern the world, uh, and I mean I know this to be true. And so when when you know when we see these figures and we see these figureheads that get up and 
you know, they say certain things. We have to really not take the, you know, you got to take everything with a grain of salt. Um, and that there are a lot of um, backdoor deals. There's a reason why certain people get chosen and others don't. There are connections that are that are not on paper. There are connections in which that, and, and are completely legal. Um, they give people certain boosts and we can't ignore or pretend that these people are actually for everybody and they're not. They're for their particular groups. Um, I'm so, glad you are. I'm glad you bring that up. Hey, hold hold that thought because that actually yeah. leads into another um, New York Times um, article that was written by David Brooks. Yes. Um, David, New York Times on a roll here. New York Times is getting it in, right? So David Brooks, um, David Brooks wrote an article um, talking about the rich white civil war. Um, and you know, for those for for my Caucasian listeners, if that rubs you the wrong way, David Brooks is Caucasian himself. So this is not you know one of those Caucasian, like the Caucasus Mountains between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea. Yeah, that's where he was born, right there on the, on the base of the on on the base of the Caucasus Mountains. He was born right there. Um, so he is like <laughs> he. You can't get more Caucasian than that. Is that the case? Yeah, he was born he, on he, the. Caucasian. He was born on the beach of the Black Sea. You didn't so know that, I, man. Was, I, I don't want to get tangential. But let me throw white Asian. So I don't want to get tan, tangential, too tangential. But let me throw this out out there <laughs> that that term Caucasian was popularized by um, Johann Friedrich Blumenbach. I. I don't actually think, I think that Caucasian is a catch-all term. I don't necessarily think that people with pale skin all originate from the Caucasus Mountains. I think that they uh, originate more um, more northern, more, more northward, more northern northern places where uh, the, the nights are longer and the days are shorter and it's colder, mm-hmm. um, uh, like Siberia and other places like that. Um, oh, yeah, Niagara, Holland, that, yeah, Holland. All the way up in the tundra. I mean, but you, you got you have to you have to think about the, the what's necessary in order to develop certain features. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And lose others. Yeah, I heard so a doctor Nicole, talk about that. He gave a, a biological presentation about the way in which um, European features are the way they are. African Caucasian features European are, features yeah. are the way that they are. What we call Caucasian, anyway. I'm sorry, I'm cutting you off. I mean, you know the but it 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 it's to your point because the air was colder. Um, biologically speaking, that's why their no- their noses are straighter and pointier. You didn't want to pull that much cold air into your body, so the nostrils are actually smaller. The noses are smaller. Um, you didn't want to pull all that cold air into your body when you're breathing. So, I mean, but it was things like that 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 he brought into like longer, long straight hair was actually biologically you're able to cover two thirds of your neck for warmth. It was, it was. I mean, it, it was dope. I was yeah, listening to yeah. him explain like things biologically. Well, so the, you know that. I mean, it, there's that. There's a level of um, social engineering that goes on all across the world, where um, you choose to mate with certain people, and and uh, you know, you think about that over thousands of years. Uh, you know, you're gonna have people that look like all kinds of different things, and so um, I'm just saying, like the term Caucasian. I, I you know, I, I mean, I, I, I think that uh, you know, you have people with pale skin that developed in similar conditions, not just in um, the Caucasus Mountains, but um, they're even more, from what I've seen uh, or my research, even more more um, uh, 
potent conditions in there that I think would bring about those kinds of features. But anyway, that's tangential. So back to the whites. <laughs> oh, and let me also say, I'm about to blow some other people's minds. Back that, to the whites? Yeah. That, that, you should have left it right there, man. That's a mic drop moment right yeah. there, man. Back to the whites. No, I want to, I want to, so, so I just want to, we tend to equate white with Europe and that's actually not, not, uh, accurate as well because not all Europeans historically remember you just look at a map the only separation between Europe and what we call Africa is the Mediterranean Sea and there's even a, 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 a geographical closeness between um, Spain. Spain yeah that's right so um, you know you have people of all different kinds of shades so this idea of Europe equals white and white equals Europe, that's all narrative. This It's not necessarily the case. So the rabbit hole gets deep. I just wanted to put that out here. But, but anyway, back to the whites. And it gets even deeper when you realize that Noah was one man, not three men. Noah is one man who has one phenotype and gave birth. And actually, he didn't give birth, but he contributed to the births of his three sons, Japheth, um, some people call him Yafeth, and there's a whole bunch of other ways to pronounce it, Shem and Ham. But you have three people. A lot of people have chosen to believe that these three people who came from Noah had somehow three different appearances, even though they came from this one man. I would beg to differ. Um, I think that if Adam was made of the dust of the ground and, and the dust of the ground is not white, uh, <laughs> And, and then, you know, then Noah was also the same color, Noah being a, how many, 14, however many generations from Adam. Adam was actually still living a few generations before Noah was born because he lived 930 years. But my point in saying all this is that uh, Noah and his wife had three sons. Those three sons were also looking like the dust of the ground. And just yeah. like they mentioned over time, you know, as they spread or as Pangea broke apart or whatever it is that took place, um, then there were environmental reasons why there are physiological right, and right. phenotypic differences between human beings. Yeah, no, no, no doubt, no doubt. So as you all told y'all, we when we go away for almost a month, y'all gonna get it. Y'all gonna get it. So let's get back to Mr. David Brooks. So Mr. David Brooks, he uses uh, one of these generic terms. He calls his article the Rich White Civil War. Now you may say, why is he saying the Rich White Civil War? What is the Rich White Civil War? I thought the Civil War happened in the 19th century. What are you talking about? Um, well, he talks about the the divide in modern day United States of America. This this you know contrived divide um, that is going on, and he references. Now I'm gonna talk about the article, but I want to reference a report that he mentioned, and I did some looking on it, and it was called the um, it was called America's Hidden Tribes. And uh, it was done by the, God, what's the name of this? Oh, shoot. Darn it, I forgot the name of the organization who did it. Um, the yeah, More I in Common. I read that research, though. I looked it up. Yeah, it's, um, it, so it was done by More in Common. I don't know what Wait, the name of I, that. I, 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 I came across something that had that research. I can't remember if I looked at the actual source or not, but I'm familiar with the, with the research. So if you want to check it out, it's called hiddentribes.us. Um, it was a year-long project, like a, you know, it was a year-long study done by More in Common. One of the things is that this this um, report it broke down um, the the U.S. populace into seven quote-unquote groups or tribes. Um, and so let me just kind of list them. It is the 
America's America's hidden tribes are progressive activists, traditional liberals, passive liberals, politically disengaged, moderates, traditional conservatives, and devoted conservatives. And now one of the things that he did was in the article, he highlighted some of this research. And this is the part that I really just want to chop it up about. This goes to A's earlier point. Um, So one of the things that he points out in this article, which is to your earlier point, A, was the, the two smallest groups. He says that progressive activists and devoted conservatives are the two smallest groups, but they are the two wealthiest groups. And so your your progressive activists, those are what we would know as, you know, extreme left wing, right? The extreme left. The Bernie extreme, Sanders. Exactly. The, the Bernies Bernie. of the world where your devoted conservatives are your extreme right, your Rush Limbaugh's of the world, right? Your uh, right wing extremists, quote unquote, what they would call them. They're the they're the two smallest groups of of the hundred percent of the populace. The progressive activists make up eight percent, while the devoted conservatives only make up six percent. But they are the two most wealthiest groups, and because they're the wealthiest groups, they're also the whitest groups. The majority of those groups happen to be the the whitest. Those groups have the highest education level the um, highest levels of personal security. Um, obviously, they're in the highest tax brackets, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And to your earlier point about who actually governs and who actually you know, gets, gets to have their say, so to speak, um, what, he, what he found from you know, going through that study was those two groups. Those are the, those, though they're the two smallest groups, they're the groups that have the two loudest voices. Um, the the largest group um, was the politically disengaged, if you can imagine. The majority of the people in the U.S. are politically disengaged. Yeah, 26%. That's the base of the yeah. 26% of the populace yeah. is political is, is apolitical. Right? Yes. They they don't really, you know, ascribe to anything politically. Yes, and it's always gonna be that way. Because right. that is the, the those are the minds that the that the um, those smaller, more influential groups fight to sway in order to usher in or utilize the power that comes from the populace, said populace. So um, the, the some of the examples uh, given, such as Bernie being like the example of extreme left. Look, if we see these people, they're not the people. Like, I just want to make that I want to make that clear. That that's why I had mentioned secret societies earlier. Um, these are these are uh, and, and people pe- people <laughs> people know what I'm talking about. Um, people who doubt me just don't know. But there are people who aren't saying anything. And they know what I'm talking about, which is why it's a secret. Uh, but you have um, again, just like the back of your dollar bill, where you have a pyramid, and at the base of your pyramid that represents. Uh, the the populace, most people, the uninitiated, or in in um, in a antiquated or ancient terminology, the vulgar. Uh, whereas the top of the pyramid, again, if you look at the back of the dollar bill, you see that there's a, a, a top of the pyramid that's broken from the the rest of the pyramid. 
And that uh, broken with the eye represents knowledge and it represents uh, being able to see into the, the future or see the unseen and all of that stuff. And, and that is, uh, that is where you have your, 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 your poles. And so, um, the idea of this whole, uh, white civil war, first of all, let me just say that that article is the New York times is slipping because they're not supposed to let stuff like that out. Not even a little bit. Again, um, yeah, but, to, to, to the earlier article, again, I'm surprised yeah. by this being in the New York Times. Like, I'm yeah. surprised that this was actually in a national right. publication where they're like, yeah, liberals are tripping. They out here. They, they they have their own agenda. They, you know, and he actually he actually uses a couple of terms that I, I want to throw out here. He says this is not just about um political activists or the progressive activists which are the extreme left and the devoted conservatives on the extreme right he uses a couple of terms here that you know i don't know if you guys are familiar with it i was not when i read this article i was not familiar with them he says that the devoted conservatives actually ascribe to um hobesian i hope i'm pronouncing that right the hobesian narrative and that has to do with uncivilized um attack or uncivilized uh, conflict um, due to bilateral fear. So essentially, everybody f- fights for what they get and you get what you can fight and take, you know, which, and that's the well, that's the conservative it, mentality. You, it, it, yeah, it's barbaric is what is what it is. And that and, and that, that's not to say in a bad state. It's true. Um, it is a it is a state of uh, of defense and preservation. Exactly. Um, because at any moment in time, your situation, you know, your situation can fall and it's back to the grill again. Um, and so uh, if, for people listening, if you wonder why, that's why the the ideology of capitalism can thrive with devoted conservatives. It's because they essentially ascribe to the notion that humans will naturally compete against one another for their own interests. It's like dog eat dog, you know, and if I can get my, you know, biggest dog in the in the pen wins. And so that's why capitalism can can thrive with with a conservative. And it's it's from the um, 17th century English author Thomas Hobbes. Um, it, it, it comes from the narrative in, in, in his work called the, the uh, Leviathan. It's a work that that he wrote of that that unrestrained uh, competition. Um. And then he just mentioned here, like I said, the the other term that he used for the uh, progressive, goodness, progressive activist, excuse me, the progressive activist. Oh, man, I lost it. It's Rasal. Yeah, thank you. And that was essentially the, the government legislating everything, which is why, you know, most right wing, I mean, most left wing folks, they want, oh, let the government take care of you. Let the government do it. Another program, more money from the government, you know, come into these different situations where we will take care of you. Don't take care of yourself. Let us do it for you. And again, that's why those types of ideologies thrive under extreme left wing leadership. Um, so those, like I said, those two terms for me were, were new terms reading his article. Yes. The the idea of the state taking taking care of everything, but people... What's very kind of difficult to understand is that there's a, uh, a hidden hand 
of how uh, certain uh, groups of people would like to exist. And um, the United States is really an extension. It's a playground of, uh, excuse me, of Germanic tribes warring against each other still. And um, the, the, of those Germanic tribes or of those uh, European tribes, the English pretty much won out ever since the 19th century. And their, uh, and their, and their, and their um, uh, neighboring nations, so to speak, came here, established the United States, and um, established pretty much a world, uh, world government um, off the back of the British crown. Um, in, within, that, within that, you had other Caucasians that were still beefing with the rulership of the English and the, and the Anglo uh, and their compatriots. And those have to do with uh, people that originate out of uh, uh, Hungary. Uh, it also has to do with um, some German thought. Uh, and they formulated their, and also France. France is really huge in this. Uh, and they formulated their own ways in which they think that society should be governed. And these uh, ways are national versus social. National is uh, a group of people that formulate under a particular banner, like, a, like, a, like a, the extension of a family um, and a flag, so to speak. Whereas social is where people formulate together under identity. So men with men, women with women, uh, uh, people with, with, with particular uh, sexual desires are a group, children are a group. Do you, you understand where I'm going? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the social ideology, and these predate the United States. And there's a, um, a, a, a war that has been going on and is still going on that... Um, that, that these people are uh, using, oh, well, unfortunately, it is uh, the, the United States, among other places, but particularly the United States is really the combat zone um, of these people fighting. And the goal of nationalism is to, is to preserve the nation or to preserve the, ex the extended family, the extended family of the, well, at this point, the Caucasian conservative or the, or the, the English and, 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 and the extensions of the English. Whereas the, uh, the extreme liberal or the social ideology, because the social ideology took an L from the English and they don't agree or like the customs or culture of the English to include nationalism, um, their goal is to actually to, um, deconstruct um, nationalism and deconstruct the reign or the rulership of the English and, and their compatriots by, by, um, by the bottom up and disenfranchising their, their population via, um, via identity politics. So, um, so that's the goal is to actually, and that's why illegal immigration is a big thing because these people don't believe in borders. Um, they don't believe in the, the concept of the nation. And again, that's because, you know, they pretty much took an L uh, years ago. 
And so this is the way they're fighting. They fight on college campuses through the creation of curriculum. They fight via Hollywood. Um, they fight via, um, they fight, they fight via social media. Uh, but overall, overall, they're, they're, they're all extremely rich. Uh, they all run the banks. Uh, and there is, uh, there is, um, there's really just a, a, a fight as to who's going to run the world, how they're going to run the world. Yeah, one uh, of the things that 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 he noted in in the research is that within those two groups, though they are uh, polar opposites, so to speak, that there's they actually have much more alike than they than they realize, and that they're willing to admit. I should say they they may realize it, but they're willing to admit um, based on their research they had. They had found that like 61% of the people in those two extreme groups um, would be willing to listen and compromise more. Um, but at the end of the day, because the the debate, what did he, he said that, that the dispute has become so cultish, that's what it is, that what, you know, it, it there's too much to to lose for me to even be willing to talk to someone that I probably agree with on many issues, which, you know, goes back into that whole package deal thing that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Um, these, you know, because they're both super rich, right? And so they're both super rich. So they're not going to jeopardize things as it pertains to their financial or power or control. So yes. they're, they're, they're actually willing to continue this social war against one another despite the fact that they actually agree on on many different topics. So we encourage you guys, again, go go back and check out the study. It's called HiddenTribes.us. Um, it's very, it's just, it, it, it's very interesting to read these kinds of things. And, and once you read it, um, I think it'll open your eyes because like us, more than likely, you agree with things on both sides. I think a, a lot of people are awakening to the fact that, wait a minute, if I'm a believer and I think that there should be some kind of accountability for police brutality, I'm just picking it as a random topic just because it's hot button right now. And everybody loves to talk about that stuff now. But the the average you know conservative believer is kind of hesitant to talk about something like that. Now, why is that? Because of that package deal mentality. Because I've bought the whole package, I'm not allowed to talk about this one thing that's outside the package. And vice versa. If you look at a liberal say, and, and I'm pro this, I'm pro that, but you say, oh, well, I'm also pro family, which means I'm probably anti some of those things that you're all pro for. Right. But again, if I'm all about the package deal, am I allowed to say, well, no, I actually want to see the nuclear family prosper. The nuclear family is the building block of society. Am I allowed to do that? So, again, we encourage you guys go take a look at these. Go take a look at the research. You know, you you need to kind of take a look at it for yourself. Kind of let that, you know, process take place in in, in your own mind. But so that, that you can see there's more devious motives at play than just oh political you know correctness and liberal versus conservative there's a much more devious yeah. um, overtone there so we yeah. we encourage you guys to uh, go and um, check that out go and check out those two uh, New York Times articles Tim Keller yeah. and uh, David I mean, Brooks 
I, and I'm gonna throw out there. I mean, everything on the three dimensional on the three dimensional level. I'm not necessarily referring to scripture or prophecy. On the three dimensional level, everything really goes back to property rights and debt slavery. Um, I would suggest for people to look up what the um, doctrine of discovery is. The doctrine of discovery is uh, an interna international law that defines what Christopher Columbus meant. Um, or that statement when we when we when we are taught Christopher Columbus discovered America, we always say, "Well, how can he discover something that was already here? Well, other people were here." Well, because of the, um, the the doctrine of discovery, it actually defines what that term "discover" means. So it is correct that he did discover America based on the definition of the doctrine of discovery, which is really messed up. It's a really messed up. Uh, um, legislation that, uh, according to some of the research I was doing, still exists to this day, and so um, that's why that's why these people they argue back and forth, but nobody, none of them are going to empty out their pockets uh, and um, it, and 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 give back this land, and that gets into a whole nother conversation of who are the um, indigenous inhabitants of uh, the United States, and I think we can pick that up on a on another episode because. You know, that's going to draw the the ire <laughs> and um, that's going to raise a lot of antennas to a lot of people listening in. So anyway. All right. So, yeah, we uh, we thank you all for rocking with this. Um, we go, we, we're going to definitely put this out there. So whether we're talking about politics or church attendance <laughs> or socio ideology, you know that what you're going to get from us is God in the mizics. So we do appreciate you guys listening again. Shout out to the 300 for this is Sparta. <laughs> and um, as always, for the whole ATI crew, this is AJ saying peace, peace, peace. Let's get started. I won't teach you. Let me set apart who is my people. The ones who set in their heart to be believers. Press on to the mark to follow Jesus. When it gets hard, they be seeking the leaders. Fathers that help them heal when they are beaten. Or help them see the meaning when they're grieving. Don't follow their feelings that are being misleading. They're the ones that keeping it biblical Keep it 100 when others saying it's fictional A relational life, that is how it's scriptural A stay in the light while cats be living typical Integrity we chose cause folks is hypocritical Religious midwit, man that is how they picture you Wishing you would go the way of the extinction.